0: Grinders, welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blenderhead, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Friday, it's Casual Friday. We're casually talking about stuff today. I think we normally casually talk about stuff. We got NBA to go over from yesterday. We got NBA today, but as I always say, it's a repeat every every day. We got a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine game slate. Teams on back to backs. Who knows who's going to play, right? The Spurs. Uh, we we can talk about the Spurs from yesterday. We got the, who? We got sixteen people on the list. We got Murray, Clarkson, Hart, Whiteside, Curry. We got all the the Pacers front court, right? We got Cade Cunningham, Zach Levine. Right? We got a ton of people. Is is Larry Nance going to be back? I don't know. Does that matter? I don't know. The tons of stuff. So going over stuff now. What what's what's the point? Like if we did if we did that yesterday, we wouldn't have talked about the Spurs at all right? Okay. You play Deontay Murray, right? But no, he's out. Everyone's out. And then next thing you know, everyone's playing all the Spurs. They get blown out anyway. So it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, but uh, but we'll talk about it. I got, I got my MMA sheet for, for tomorrow's uh, UFC card. Uh, if people want to take a quick, quick look-see at it. I know some people like that. Uh, but uh, give me those thumbs ups on your way in the door. Hit that thumbs up button, the like button, whatever they call it on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. I don't know what the subscribe button does. What does it look like? I don't know. I can do the thumb, right? The side that it's kind of like a, it's a square. It's kind of a square. Like I think it's a red square type of thing. That's a subscribe button. The notification bell. What is a notification? It kind of looks like, kind of looks like this with a little thing on top or something. Hit that if you want to let to let you know when we go live, because we got the Grinders live later today. Crunch time for premium members. Uh, we got all, all the stuff that, all the content that normally uh, you know, comes out here on Roto-Grinders. Good morning, people. Infamous Tuck beat Suki Singh this morning. He was here really early, right? 10.32, Suki Singh, Daniel Hutchings, R.C. Bremen, Card Van, Slick, Shannon Lambert, Brianna Mosley, good morning. Uh, Nate Branshaw said, I only looked at projected ownership versus projection and took down the GPP. Players don't matter. There you go. Amen. See, Nate knows what's going on. Nate knows what's going on. We provide you with all the tools that's needed to win without even knowing anything about basketball, okay? You can play DFS that way. That's that's how most sharp players play, okay? You got the numbers. You got the tools. Make some lineups and hope variance goes your way, right? Just wait wait for variance to go your way. You're probably going to be profitable long-term. That's why you just use the projections, right? You use the ownership, right? That's it. That's it. Simple, easy-peasy, right? I mean, obviously, but you're playing, you're going to be playing 150 slates, hoping to pick one or two, maybe over the depending on the size of the contest over the course of a year, right? And that's where most of you, that must, most, if not all of your profit is going to come from. That's the name of the game in DFS GPPs. But yes, if you watch this show, we'll go back to previous shows. How do you use the tools? Just the projections. And if you want to change the projections, change the projections. Oh, I think this guy's going to play more minutes, so change the minutes. Perfectly fine. Our projections, our minutes inputs are done by our projections team, which is Andy Means. It's uh, it's notorious. It's uh, it's uh, titles back there and Jamino, and SBK and Bob Reeves and Alan Lem, And I don't know, there's probably more. Right. They're, they're, they're dealing with that all day. Right. They, they update. They, they pay attention to the news. They obviously got guys like Andy and Noto, Meansy and Noto. They they've forgotten more about basketball than I than I, I know. So they, they, they follow the league way more than, than anyone. They're our experts. So let, well, who am I not going to trust? I'm going to trust our experts. And if they, they think that the median range of minutes for, you know, uh, Trey Man today is 34 minutes. Then why shouldn't I? If you don't think that so, 32, oh, it's 32. So make it 32 and the, 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 the projection will go down. If you want to adjust stuff, you can adjust stuff. But once they're adjusted, once everything is adjusted, just use the numbers. That's it. That's all you need to do. Use the numbers. Uh, if you use the numbers yesterday, you played a lot of Spurs. Thad Young, Trey Jones started, Vassal White. Problem is, is that most of these guys only played quarters, right? Because the Spurs were down by like 28 by the middle of the third. And Pop said, I'm going to the, wave the white flag. And then, the, then he had Juancho Hernan Gomez and whatever whatever guys they have on there, the Back in Wise Camp. Once you see Wise Camping, you know, they're done, right? They're done. I mean, Thad got there because it was 3,000. He got 2,400. So that's a, you know, 8X, right? But like Derek White and Vassal. Trey Jones for 3,600 was useful, but not necessary, right? I had a bunch of Young and Jones. I had like 60 plus percent of each. But I also had a lot of Anthony Edwards. And Anthony Edwards had like 17 points in his first rotation, right? Ended the half with 18. And then ended the game with 32. And I'm like, what what happened there? What happened there? And then, if you didn't have Sadiq Bey early, well, you were dead. Right. And then the late game, the late game went off. Right. Anthony Davis, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, that that whole game. Malik Monk did well. Right. If we go by team, right. The Lakers, right. Davis, West, I mean, Westbrook didn't. Carmelo Anthony got injured. Yeah. Monk had 41. Davis had 63. And then uh, the Clippers right? Jackson, 49, Morris, 45, Abaca 36. He went for 10X. I had a bunch of him, right? Late swap, right? Late swap. I I, I had I had like nine lineups with Zubach, and then he got rolled out, so I just pretty much just global replaced Zubach to Abaka, because uh, at that point, there was no one, you know, it was, Zubac was 40, 4,300, 4,400, something like that, and I had no one in my player pool at that point that it was was cheaper than that, right? So wh- what what. Well, who am I replacing in the lineup? It's, it's, I'm not going to get those lineups with Ibaka. So I just did a global swap there. Uh, lost money yesterday, but not that bad. I was doing well early, right? Doing very well early. I was up by in the, like the $5 zone. I was in first place for a while and that. But then the, the, the 10 o'clock games, boop, 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 boop. That's where your money goes down, right? So I think I lost, lost like 20, 23% or something. Just, it's not not horrible. I mean, I've had a good week, right? I think uh, over the course of the past week, past what, four days or so up, up about maybe 1600, 1700 bucks. Not bad, not bad at all. I don't mind. I do not mind at all. Gary Trent overowned. I didn't have that much of him. Uh, I mean, recency bias there. I mean, 61, his price is going up and there's no way he's shooting 60% for three point range for the rest of the season. Okay. I get it. He was still, he was, he was, he was playable, but I think a 27% ownership on the slate yesterday was over, over, over-owned. Uh, then we take a look at like Siakam, like Book Booker didn't do that well. Jeremy Grant. I had a bunch of Jeremy Grant. Uh, I had a bunch of Reggie Jackson. I had a lot of Steph Curry. Steph Curry disappointed, right? If Steph Curry put up like 55, I think I, I, think I would have broke even or something. Instead of losing 100 or 200 bucks. Looking through here, obviously Lonnie Walker doesn't get there. You know, Butler, Wiggins, Westbrook, Garble. Just taking a look. Right? Basically, Sadiq Bey was the like the key. We take a look at the top 1% lineups. Reggie Jackson, Anthony Davis, Stad Young, Siakam Bay, Trey Jones, Marcus Morris. Derek White, even, but I mean Derek White's, you know, 45% owned. So he's going to show up in some one per, top 1% lineups. Davian Mitchell had a game. Vooch had a game. They weren't as owned. Even Clay Thompson had a game, right? 7x. I had a bunch of him. Right? Vassal shows up in a lot of 1% lineups because at 19.25 at 44, 45% don't he's gonna show up there, a whole bunch. So yeah, you could use results DB. This is what you should be, this is what you should be doing in the morning. Going through results DB, seeing, seeing the ownerships of everyone, seeing the lineups of sharper players. Like we went over yesterday, we spent half the show on Marquise Chris. Why was he owned? So if you have any questions like that, you're looking through going, why was this player this low owned or this high owned? Figure out why. Right? You can even star and save a whole bunch of sharp players and take a look at their exposure. Look at the Colts. The Colts was blank sneaky yesterday. 2% that young. He was playing sneaky sneak yesterday. I mean, he didn't get there, obviously. But for the most part, that Young, he was 59% owned. And like people had like everything, right? hundred percent, 95. I mean, Whistle's only at 48, but I mean, still a lot. Derek White, similarly. Vassal, similarly. Trey Jones was a mixed bag, but mostly over. Most of our players were over on Edwards, even at 8,000. Gary Trent was a mixed bag. But you see a lot of people under, and then some pretty much. I have a nerdy tenor and cheese. So, I've been, yeah, a lot of other players didn't have as much. I didn't. To Anthony Towns, okay, mixed. Like Jeremy Grant was mixed, right? You're going to get a lot of mixed down here. Like Kelden John. I had a bunch of Kelden Johnson as leverage, kind of everyone's playing wide and. And Young and Jones and like, okay, why why can't Keldon Johnson get there? So you look through, you look down, and you just you see, just you can look at individual lineups also. I wouldn't normally look through some individual lineups, but obviously for the sake of this show, I'm just kind of just leisurely going through stuff. You could say casually going through stuff. Just to see. Rodney Magruder he used to had a he came in starting and yeah, i I, I, I just I, I didn't play him at all. I saw that. It's like, oh, Diallo's not starting. It's going to be Magruder. Yeah, but Jeremy Grant's back. So it's like, Magruder's what? He's just going to stand there and do nothing. What's his ceiling? I'd be more just, actually, I prefer Diallo now more. Because now if Diallo's going to be in the second unit, I'd rather have him. We could take a look at the late swapper people with Ibaka. Right? Ox and Duck, RBX 88, the Colts, Whistles, a Hubro. And some people didn't. Like Squirrel Patrol? Squirrel Patrol didn't. Well, 1.4. I, I, I don't see how you have a Baka in before Zubach gets ruled out.
1: But maybe maybe if you have too many early players going, yeah, if
0: you're playing like that, Young, if you're playing a bunch of guys early, like there's no reason, even when you try to late swap to, to a Baka, like the raw points aren't worth it. right? Because in lineups, that there's like there's one person left in your lineup, and you have Anthony Davis, right? In your utility spot, all seven, you're not switching to Abaca there, right? The, the, Anthony Davis is going to give you more raw points, regardless of Abaca is like projecting for 10x. Like Anthony Davis's median is 45 or whatever. Abaca's median was, even if it was 10x, would be like 35. So you'd rather have the more raw points. So I, I, could, I could see how some of these. Non Abaka, because it's not like Abaka was like a slam dunk play. Like, if, if we knew the Zubach news before the slate lock, that we'd be jamming an Abaka. We wouldn't. He was okay. He went from a unplayable to playable, and that's about it. Same thing, same thing for, the, for, the, for the Kings when Fox was ruled out for the 800th time in a row. Just say that he's out. Why do we have to have these questionable tags? Right? Like, I think eight games in a row he's been out. Well, like once he got ruled out, it's like like Halliburton and Barnes and Holmes and all those guys. They went from like, if Fox is in, the whole team is kind of unplayable. And then when Fox is out, it's like, okay, now, now the team is like officially priced. It's like they're playable. Like nothing to, nothing to jam in or anything. So I understand if people didn't at 10 o'clock late swap or they didn't plan late swaps, which means they used a lot of earlier players. So I can understand that. Uh, let's see Going through the YouTube chat R.C. Bremen I That's the goal uh, That's my goal Earn 50 to 70k from DFS Yep, that, that, that's my goal that's, that, that's, that's that's On average Right? Because he changes not just go by calendar years But I mean, on average 50 to 70 that, that, That's my goal it, it, Would I rather do this? I would rather sit in an office and work with someone else than at a job I don't like. That's how I view it. I'm not, this isn't, how do I make $7 trillion? I I don't play that way. So like I'm playing these NBA slates now and I'm playing five to $700 worth of volume. I'm playing 50 lineups, GPP only on draft teams. Maybe I'll play some on FanDuel also, but I'm like playing at that level. And I'm probably going to do very similar to like in baseball, you see, tomorrow I'll probably play higher volume. I'll probably play, you know, $2, in volume because I think I have a much bigger edge there. But yeah, my, I'm. I don't need to step up. I don't need. To, I'm not. I'm not going to be playing with the hundred thousand dollar down swings and stuff like that. I, I don't need that. I don't need that stress in my life. I'm going to optimize my play for the highest probability of getting of making fifty to seventy five thousand dollars a year. And I've been successful. I've been playing for six and a half years, right? I've been playing for six and a half years and my net profit total is around a half a million dollars. So if you do the math, right? You take, take 500,000, right? 500,000 divided by 6.5. And that's about 70 to 77,000 a year. I'm, I'm doing great, Right? Risk of ruin, very small, right? I'm only playing, a, I'm playing less than 1% of my bankroll. And then I'm doing these shows and everything. That's, that's me. Some people are like, I want to win life changing money and I'm blah, blah, blah. Play Millie Makers and if I go broke, so be it. Okay, that, that's fine also. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, more of a, you know, a nit. I'm more of a grinder. I'm more of a Joey Kanish type. My kids eat with this money, right? Even though I have no kids. Oh, uh, let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Hi, Blender. How chalky should I be in a single entry GPP less than five thousand entries? It d- depends on the lineup. I would suggest I would suggest watching a lot of these shows. I would suggest also getting my course, the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, fifteen-hour audio DFS masterclass. There's no answer to that. There's no how chalk. There's no there's no black and white. There's no yes and no's in DFS. What should the total ownership sum be? Like, there's no number. It's all in relation to the slate. It's all in relation to the to the contest you play. The ownership in your contest may be different than other, the ownership in other contests, right? Obviously, late swaps and changes in, in, in like, someone gets rolled out at 630 and everything changes. Like, dude, you're going to have to react to, what? well, how does the ownership change? Right? Because now you can't just use, like, oh, well, I'm just going to change that guy's ownership. Well, that guy's now 60% owned and he went up from 10 to 60, where the ownership has to come out of other players also. So now you got to do that also. So it's not as simple of like, oh, oh, an NBA, uh, that would be uh, 180% ownership sum. Like there's no, there's no answer to that. I would suggest understanding the concepts, the game theory concepts of playing DFS. And then you can apply it any way that you want. So go to theoryofdfs.com to 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. It's 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 easier than going through 600 hours of my show. You, I would that's what I would suggest to do. Go back to that. What I two years I started this two years ago. So go back on our YouTube channel and go back to the first ever DFS pregame show, and then just watch them all. Start from the beginning. And it doesn't matter. We're talking about slates from two years ago. We're still talking about strategy and game theory and how to play. So you could do that. You could do that and watch 600 hours of content or 15 hours of audio, where it's like all all those concepts that you would get out of all of those shows are nice packed into one little package for you. Nate Branchard says, would you say basketball is less game theory driven because of the nature of more normally distributed scoring? No, that's still like game Game theory doesn't just mean like, oh, ownership. Like it's every game theory encompasses every way that you would play a game, right? Against other people, right? That's, that's game theory regardless. It still comes down. DFS still comes down at its core to play lineups that have higher probability of winning or have a positive ROI or positive expected value. Well, not well, that's what we're talking about, the expected value. You want lineups that have a higher probability of winning in comparison to your opponents
1: based on what what your opponents have.
0: Okay. The probability if, if everyone, if everyone owns one player, no matter what their projection is, and that guy gets injured, Isaiah Jackson the other day. He's 99.99% on. You're playing a 100-man contest, and he's 99% done. You're the only one that doesn't have. And he gets injured on the first play. Your chance of, your chance of winning first place has now shot up immensely. I mean, immensely, immensely. Because he's sitting there with a zero, and you're the only one that doesn't have a zero. Okay? By not playing him. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have, you have a 1% done guy, right? You have a 1% dunk in your 100-man contest. So you're the only one that has it. And he goes for 85 points in NBA. You've dramatically increased your chances of of winning first place. Why? Because you have have 85 points that no one in the contest has. No one, right? And the same thing with the other example of 99% of people have zero points, and you're the one person that doesn't have it. So in the course, I I describe that as relative value. So the relative value of players and the relative value of lineups is the game that you're playing. So no matter what sport you're playing, projection and ownership go together. Can you beat people with just projection? Yes, because people still make egregious mistakes from that. Play lineups that are very poorly projected that they shouldn't be playing the two contrarian for the size of the contest or they're playing lineups that are way too median projected I mean, cash lineups so they have a good floor they have very good min cash equity but it's very hard for them to win first place because they're sharing so many points with so many other participants in the contest so that's where you make your money in DFS. Off of off of lineups that are either so poor that their chance the chance of cashing is is very low, is low. It's lower than average, lower than other lineups. Or the what I would consider the 10 to 15% of lineups that you'll see in contests that are chalk city. That only that would could only possibly win if the, if, the, if the winning score is like 420. And even then, you may even split it. So like, it's that chalky. They're playing, people are just jamming in cash type lineups Too much so in a large field GPP. In a smaller field GPP, cash type lineups more like more, have more win equity to them. But it's all in relation. Why, why do the lineups that have all chalk in it bad for large field GPPs? because you're sacrificing like the equity in the top of the top of the payout structure. And that's where most of the money is, right? You've given yourself a much better chance now of coming in, in the top in in the 20th percentile, getting a 1.5 X min cash, or even a two X type of cash,
1: maybe a three
0: X even, but you've sacrificed top 50 top 10, top five. We're pretty much on these types of contests in large field, especially. That's where all the money is. So you're not going to cash often enough, at, especially at 1.5X, with those types of lineups to show a positive ROI, right? Yeah, you'll, you'll, you're going to bleed your money slowly, right? You're going to feel like, oh, okay. You're going to feel like, like you're going to see an ITM rate in the money rate if you use Rotor Tracker. Playing those types of lineups, and you'll see, you'll see like a thirty-five percent itm or something. Remember, typically a GPP pays out somewhere between twenty-two to twenty-five percent of the field. So that, on average, if you just that would be the cash rate, and you're cashing at thirty-seven percent, right? But a lot of these caches are one-point-five x; they're not two x caches. you if the cash way more than thirty-seven percent of the time to to be profitable, min cashing the GPPs. But when you, if you're if you're cashing thirty five to forty percent of the time, it feels like it's like oh I'm not I'm not I'm winning a little I'm losing a little I'm winning a little I'm losing a little but you don't realize that over the course of three months you're you're winning a little you're you're, you're still going down and your chances of winning first place like you're almost not play, you're almost not playing for first place you think you are but you're not It'd be very difficult to do that as opposed to playing lineups that aren't horribly projected, right? Like the really bad lineups and not horribly chalky like those min-cash equity lineups somewhere in the middle. You're in the money rate may actually be, go down. You're in the money rate on average, right? 22-ish percent would be on average based on the payout structure of these GPPs, 22 to 24, somewhere around there. You're in the money rate, maybe 17%, 18% maybe 20%, somewhere around, more like not 37 to 40, not 35 to 40. But when you do cash, you're not cashing as many for 1.5X, you're cashing more for 5X, 8X, 10X, hopefully at the top, 1,000X, 10,000X, whatever, whatever it is at the top. It's not about cashing the most often, it's about winning the most money in the long run. I'd rather play 80, you play 150 slates you could lose 149 of them if you win $100,000 in one of them, and if you play that way, you'll be most, the, you'll be more profitable. But so many people play the what are the best plays? Give me the highest projected lineups. I don't care about ownership type of thing. They cash more often. They 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 start with a thousand dollars, and at the end of the season, they're sitting there with 600 bucks. It's like oh, I. I went the whole season and only lost $400 because I went up and down, 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 little, little, right? But they really had no chance of winning. And maybe once in a while, they oh, good, I have a big score. And then sometimes you you have a little bit more of a downswing. But you're playing and not even understanding that your, your chances of winning are very, are very small. But, while guys like me are putting in lineups where I don't mind the variance. Right, I had lineups yesterday without Thad Young. I'd line, I line—I mean, I have no problem fading chalk depending on the lineup. Right, so I'm not looking for plays. I'm just looking for the best lineups that have higher probability of winning, of having a return, a higher plus return than the rest of the field, than what it should be. Right, that's the whole—that's that's what expected value is. You have a six-sided die. If I'm getting 10 to 1 odds to guess the number, I'm playing the game. Give me that bet. What number do you choose? That doesn't matter. They
1: all equally have a shot at, at six-sided die. They're all equals.
0: So what, you, what, should you get, what should the payout be? Six to 1. If I'm getting a 10 to 1 payout, that means the probability of it happening is payout six to one. And I'm getting 10 to 1. So over time, I'm making money. I should be getting paid six to one. There would be completely break It's like flipping a coin. If you're getting even money on a coin flip, do that forever, you'll end up with the same amount of money in your hand. You'll win one, you'll lose one. You win one, you'll lose one. Obviously, there'll be times you win, 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 win. win, And then you'll lose. I mean, but the law of large numbers over, you know, 10 million flips or whatever, you'll come very close to 50%. Win a dollar, lose a dollar. Win a dollar, lose a dollar. But let's say in a coin flip, when you, when you lose, you lose a dollar, but when you win, you win $2. I'll play that game forever. And I'll have all the money. That's it. That, that's what all gambling is. That's what all of, all of this is. If you're betting on props, if you're betting on, on games, you're trying to find lines that give you a better payout than the probability of the event happening. Now, obviously, with the coin flip, that's very, it's a very discreet example. It is 50% on a fair coin, obviously. It's 50%. Six sided die on a fair die, right? 16 point whatever percent, right? A 20 sided die, 5%. I mean, like, it's easier. 52 card deck, right? We have, they're very discrete. They're very finite things. But when it comes to, oh, uh, Bengals versus Rams, what's the probability of one team winning? Well, that it could be subjective. But really, all you're doing is going, not who do I think is going to win the game? It's a matter of, well, what, what is the line? Right? If, the, line, if the, money line, the money line is just on who's going to win the game, and if it's like uh, the Rams are, plus, uh, are minus 150, that, that equals a 60% implied probability. And if the Bengals are 40%, I'm assuming no Vic, right? Right. The Bengals are plus 150. That's 40 percent. Well, do you think the Ram- what do you think the probability of the team of the teams playing? If you think it should be 57, 43, yet the line is 60, 40, then bet on the Bengals. You have more. You have value. You're getting positive, expected value. Doesn't mean-, doesn't mean you don't like the Rams. You actually think the Rams have more of a shot at winning. Just not as high of a shot as what the line is currently the betting lines. I mean, that's kind of how I set up my MMA sheets. I mean, this is my MMA sheet. Obviously I haven't filled it everything. And I know the ownership on RG is probably gonna change a little. So on my, on my MMA sheet, MMA is the easiest because it's very binary outcomes, right? There's gonna be 13 fights. I would say ninety nine percent of the time, your goal is to get this, that six highest fighter, the six highest scoring fighters, six highest scoring winners in one lineup. So I compare the odds. These are the win odds from sportsbooks, the inside the distance odds, and the round one odds, because on average, if you if you could, if you could get six hundred plus in uh, MMA. On DraftKings, you're probably going to be competing towards the top one percent finish. So you, you're looking for fighters that could score a hundred plus points. That's that's your goal, right? And if you if you did the data analysis, the highest uh,
1: correlation between a hundred plus point scores in, in
0: UFC DFS on DraftKings is the round one finish odds. Because obviously, if you finish in round one, you get 90 points automatically, right? Now, you could have a round one finish and not score 100, right? There's a couple of punches and TKO or whatever, but typically, there's a not if there's a knockdown, that's 10 points. They're done. That's 100, right? So if you get a first-round finish, your likelihood of scoring 100 points is extremely high. It's very highly correlated. The next would be the inside the distance, which means you finish the fight sometime in between round one and round three, that it doesn't go to a decision. The next thing would be the win that obviously it's very hard for losers to score a Five round fight, to extreme action. Maybe. I think maybe it's happened once. I think maybe it's happened once, but it's very hard for you to not have that third, at least the 30 points on a decision and, and get to hundred. But those are the betting lines. So like, and I, I'm, I'm using the efficient market, market hypothesis when doing this. that the betting lines, essentially the closing line is, is the most efficient line. Right, the wisdom of crowds. Everyone's putting their own opinions in, blah, 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 the line moves. Because I'm not using it to bet against. I'm just using it as a basis and comparing that to ownership. So I compare that to ownership. I even put in the actual, I weigh the actual projection. Because certain fighters fight in a higher scoring style, higher pace than others, so I at least want to capture some of that in in my in my in my way. Like Miles Johns is not is is not someone that's going. To, you know, he's pl- number one. He's plus two twenty five inside the distance, and he's also not really an action fighter, right? So. And a a, a decision is, I don't see, I don't see, he he probably scores under 70 points possibly, even in a decision. And that's why his projection is a little lower, 66. So I want to capture a little bit, but you're comparing that to the ownership. So like Miles Johns at 16% ownership based on his odds, even though they're lower than some of these guys, may not be that bad because he's only going to be 16% on versus the guy above him who has a 50% shot of winning inside the distance, but is also his, his ownership is twice as much, right? But if we change the ownership, let's say we change instead of 33 and 16, we did 16 and 33, Rockmanoff would be an amazing play, right? And Miles Johns, you wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole, right? He's not worth it at 33% ownership. I'm trying, I'm, while well, all I'm doing, what are the odds of it happening versus what, what, is, what is the field giving me as far as ownership, right? A very similar thought process to that, that six-sided die, right? A six-sided die. What are the chances
1: that a six-sided die comes up? 16.7%.
0: What's the ownership? What, what am I getting paid? Yeah, but it's only a 16% shot. That'll it happen. Yeah, but if it's only owned at 5%, then I'm going to take it. It's not going to happen that often, but when it does, I gain a lot of relative value from doing so. So that's why I tend to play. You'll see. You'll notice. And if you, start, if, you if you download the CSV and look at my uh, uh, lineups, that I'm typically over on big underdogs. Doesn't mean I'm playing fifty percent of them or anything. But if like you know the guy like oh Danilo Marquez is going to be eight percent owned, Almeida is 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 a eighty percent shot at winning. Fifty-nine percent shot at winning inside the distance, and a thirty-eight percent shot of winning in the first round. He's going to be thirty-five percent owned. That I mean, he's, he's probably a good play. He's a good play at thirty-five percent owned up there, but at eight percent, it's like his odds of winning in the first round. the biggest underdog's first chance of winning in the first round is nine percent. So it's still higher than eight percent. Winning inside the distance, seventeen percent, and also when you when you're only spending six thousand eight hundred. I don't need 140 points out of the guy. Like if this guy wins inside the distance and scores 85 points at 6,800, that may be good. I, that could still make the optimal lineup. And he's only going to be 8% don't. Doesn't mean I'm playing him in all my lineups. No. All I'm saying is that you're getting, po- you're getting positive expected value, positive relative value from playing him. But let's say we change that right now. Instead of 8%, look how, look how, how small changes can matter. If he was four percent look at the rating on this side right here and at four percent i'm gonna I'm gonna be probably playing twenty percent of him right at that because he shouldn't be four percent right we had him at eight projected but let's say we go four points in the other direction he's twelve percent down. now he starts becoming now it gets re, it starts cutting off really quickly if he's gonna be sixteen percent though he's one he, now now he becomes one of the worst rated plays on the entire slate. Worst rated fighter on the slate at 16%. But at 8%, it's like I could play some of them. So that's the difference. That, that is what, this is what DFS is.
1: We look at today's slate with the numbers. All you're doing is
0: looking at numbers, right? You're looking at fantasy player projections and projected ownership, putting lineups together, and saying, at this projection and at this ownership, is this a positive expected value line for the size of contest that I'm playing and the payout structure that it is? That's it. The answer is yes, play it. The answer is no, don't play it. And the stronger the fields of your contest, the higher expected value lines you need to play. A lineup that would be plus EV in a $1.20 max, Right, may not be plus EV in a twenty max if there if there was an eighty eight dollar contest mid stakes, similar field or whatever because you'll have sharper players there. You won't have some of the garbage lineups at the bottom. You won't have some of the cash lineups in the middle. So that lineup may not actually be positive expected value in that contest.
1: That's the main reason you want to find the weakest players possible. Play the low. Let's st- play the low stakes as long as you can.
0: If you could avoid guys like I can't play under five dollars on DraftKings, but less than a twenty five thousand person price pool, I can still play the four dollar twenty max. So, do you want to play against me? Do you want to play against Chipotle Addict? Do you want to play against Squirrel Patrol? Like, play the one dollar contests. If You can't beat those. You're not going to beat. The, you're not going to beat the higher stake stuff. The mid stakes, anything—you're not going to beat that. So play the quarter arcade, max it out. The $1.20 max, whatever it is, the mini max, play all those, and build up your bankroll. You'll have a much bigger, you'll much a much higher ROI in those contests. So you build up your bankroll, you build up your bankroll that way, and then once it gets to the point where, where you can now mix in some of the higher, the mid to middle stakes, play some of the larger field stuff, take some shots. That's fine. But there's so many people that are like, oh, I don't want to play the Mini Max. It's like $1,000 to verse. Is it worth it? And, well, if you can't beat that, you can't beat the, the, high, the, the $15 one.
1: So why don't you beat the Mini Max a couple of times? I don't know. Why do you need all the money now? It doesn't work that way. Be patient. I started with $400. That's it.
0: 400 bucks. dollars Six and a half years later, half a million. What do you think I did in the beginning? Did I think I would, oh, I'm going to take a, a hundred bucks out of my 400 and play one contest. No, I played the dollar contests. I was playing soccer, dollar contests, playing dollar double ups, and dollar head to heads, right? Playing $20, $40 worth of, worth of lineups. Hand building, not, I'm not even using optimizers, right? You learn how to hand build. Still using projections, but still going through and going, okay, I see what the projections are. I see what the ownership is. Let me hand build some lineups. And you build 10 lineups. Right. I'm not playing 100. I wasn't playing 150 back then. I'm going to hand build 10 lineups. I remember about 2017, 2016, 2017. First decent, decent win in baseball was 20,000. And that was a that, that day that SDL cards came in first. I came in second. I wasn't at Roto Grinders. I was just a Roto Grinder subscriber. That day, I think I hand-built 14 lineups in baseball. That's it. Basketball, I won won $100,000 in basketball.
1: I hand-built 12 lineups. And one of them
0: won. Right? Because I moved up. Right? I moved up from the dollar contests. And then I got into the the $15 large field, 20 to whatever large. But it's like, I'm not going to play $1,000, $2,000 worth of volume. That's way above my bank still going to play like $200, $300 worth of lineups back then. In 2017, after I've won a, won a bunch, but I started with $400. Seems like a lot of people want to start with $400 and in six months have $400,000. doesn't work that way. I mean, you get lucky. Yes. Obviously you could get lucky and that could happen. But it depends on if, if you're thinking in those terms, then you're kind of playing for entertainment purposes. You're not, you're not being serious. You're playing, you're playing the lottery, You're playing a dollar and a dream. You can still play well, but your risk of ruin is absurdly high. If you're looking to turn $400 and by the end of the year have $4,000, that's doable. That, that, that's a goal. That's doable. Starting January with $400 and ending the year with $4,000, that is absolutely doable people want to call it 400 to 400,000. No, then at the end of the year, you go from 4,000 and at the end of the year, you have 16,000. That's doable. Then year three, you start with 16,000 and at the end of the year, you have 80,000. That's doable. Year four starts, you turn 80,000 into 250,000. That's doable. You turn 250,000 into 400,000, the next, like, then now the steps will get a little bit smaller. Like, that's all doable. You play well. Don't think in terms of, oh, I lost today, I got to play double tomorrow. Like, those type of things, you're not serious then. Okay, let's see. Anything else before we get out of here? Because I don't know what we're going to talk. This, this slate has so many, so many question marks on it. Is there anything that we could talk about? I don't know. And but says learned a lot here. Listen to the listen to the band, and go back and rewatch. Yeah, definitely. Was playing quarter entry twenty maxes did good enough, but no first to jump to Fanduel, two dollar twenty two cent twenty max. Bink twenty five hundred bucks in a thirteen k entry contest. Yeah, and then you then you move up. You go. You wait for a bink and you move up. Play the long game. Play the long game and understand you're you're going to lose ninety percent of the time. You're Playing GPPs. 90% of the time. Uh, Diego Rodriguez soccer show coming Monday. No, I don't, I don't do soccer shows. For the Tuesday EPLs, is there a slate on Tuesday? I mean, I guess if you're, if you're here on Monday or Tuesday, when's the slate? It would be Tuesday afternoon, right? So, I mean, if you want to ask some soccer questions on Tuesday on this show, feel free to come back then. Yeah, they doing a midweek game? Because I know there's nothing tomorrow. That's kind of weird. They go on international break and then come back midweek. That's odd. I didn't even realize it. So there is soccer. I wasn't even aware. I I, I mean, I, I need to plan for that now. Okay, so there's only one game tomorrow. That's Burnley Watford. Oh, yeah, Tuesday. Okay. Two. Oh, we got only three games. Right. So we got three games on Tuesday. And one, two, three, four, five, six games five, five games now for four games Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. okay, so this is going to be midweek, and then Saturday we're back into norm the normal swing of things. yeah, if you want to ask some soccer stuff on Tuesday, feel free to go ahead. There's nothing for me to do now. I was talking about I was talking I was talking about the other place no I, I I typically don't do uh podcasts midweek only because I'm working on rotogrinder stuff except for Fridays. If there's a Saturday slate right, I, I t- I'm typically on that podcast uh, as long as I'm available. Okie doke. So it's Friday, right? Casual Friday. I answer some casual questions. We talked about some stuff right? Did we do it? Do we really? Kind of scolded some people. Put a reality check. This is more of a reality check for some people. But you can learn all the, the, even the bankroll management type of stuff is all in here. TheoryofDFS.com. It's 15 hours long. Me and James McCool. Give you all, every, I mean, if, do you want to learn how to play DFS well? All the concepts are here. And it applies to all sports. Will you be able to execute and implement all of this? No, it takes time. You don't just learn this overnight. You learn the concepts, you do. You, that's the whole point. That's the, how I built this course. For you to listen, listen through it 15 hours all at once. Play for a month and then listen to it again. And play for a month and listen to it again. Or some people are, listen to it before you start an, another sport. Like before the baseball season, listen to it. Then before the football season, listen to it. Before basketball season. And you go, am I doing this enough? Am I doing that enough? Am I wrestling this concept as much? Right? That's Because that's how I learned how to play poker. I would read a book, play, read a book, play, read a book, play, reread it, play, reread this other book and play. In the beginning, it seems like you're doing something, like you have to, you're weighing so much. Oh, was this guy do? No, I have to pay attention to that. It takes a lot of mental energy. Then as time goes by, things become much more instinctual. It gets quicker. Your brain picks up on patterns. Next thing you know, it's two, two years later, and the stuff that it would take your 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 you feel like yeah you're thinking too much just comes out you just it's almost it almost feels like a sixth sense. That's what I did in poker. I could sit down at a table, profile players, and within two to four hours, kind of like nail the ranges of everyone at the table. In the beginning, I couldn't do that. In the beginning, I just I had to study every hand, right. Watch. What did he play? What did that play? And now I could just sit back. I could sit back and I'm casually, I barely notice that I'm paying attention to it. That's through doing things over and over, right? Reading over, studying my play. Especially if online, obviously, you have hand histories, you could do all that, but live you go over. It's like, well, should I should I did this there and that there? You know, even after a hand, you go after a hand and you you get a showdown or something, you go. Yeah, I could have played that hand better. Regardless if you win or lose, right? Even if you win, it's like, oh, I could have made more money if I did this. Maybe I, you maybe I have to check more here. Maybe I have to, maybe I have to raise more here. Maybe, you have to, maybe I'm playing too many hands out of position. Maybe I'm playing, whatever it is. But then you go back and you read and you learn and you read and you learn and you read, and go back and then you'll, you'll, you'll get it. Most people that have taken this course or have watched my shows, say that there's, there's typically an epiphany moment, right? Once you have that moment of understanding exactly what DFS is, as a, as a mathematical game theory type of experience, not a game about sports or even players, right? Uh, and then everything, you just, it clicks and then you look back and it's like you've, you've played for five years and go, wow, that guy was stupid as hell, right? You go back, it's like, oh, wow, I asked a lot of stupid questions. Now I, now I understand, Jordan. I understand why 95% of the questions are dumb as hell, right? You got to have that click, and you go, when people are asking, should I play this guy or that guy? You know, why, why, why is he always pissed off at those questions? Like you'll, you'd understand why. Or who do you like? Or who the best play is, those types of words. You'd be like, you're right, those are dumb questions. Or questions that have no context. Like you, that are unanswerable without other information. Go to theoryofdfs.com. Pick it up. How to think like a professional DFS player. Is Am I a professional DFS player? I guess so. Right. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Thummy thumbs. If you want, we want to go over the NBA slate, you do it later today on Grinders Live. 5 o'clock, 5.10. It's always weird for me to say 5.10. 5.10 p.m. Just make it at 5 o'clock. Why are we doing shows at 5, 10 p.m.? Just make it 5. It's so much easier. I don't know why. Do I have to put that in the complaint box internally at RG? It just seems so weird. 5, 10 p.m.? Feels like the old, like, TBS, like 6.05, right? Everything was on 05 and 35 on, like, TBS. For God, is it still? Does it still work out that way? I don't know. But it used to be. 5, 10 p.m. on this channel, on this YouTube channel, for Grinders Live. Uh, crunch time for premium members, Right? And if you're a premium member to Roto-Grinders, rotogrinders.com slash premium, get $10 off by clicking on the link for your first month. Uh, tomorrow, as part of the Blenders Game Theory channel in the premium Discord, uh, another group coaching call that is going to be at noon tomorrow, noon Saturday, right? Because there's no soccer. That's why I put it there. It's like, okay, there's no soccer. I'll just do, I'll do something at noon on a weekend. And then there's MMA at four o'clock. So it fits in, it fits in nicely. So if you're a premium member, and you're part of the Blenders Game Theory channel in our Discord. You should uh, sign up for the alerts there in five minutes. But at 11.55, you'll get a, a link, an alert in that channel with the, with the Zoom link and, uh, and how to participate in our, in our video coaching calls. So do that. Play NBA tonight. I think we're good. Hit those thumbs, right? Hit the thumbs, hit the subscribes, hit the notify. What does a notification bell look like? Something like that. Hit all the buttons. Hit anything you want on the YouTube page. It's perfectly fine. And uh, and I'll see you, I'll see you next week on Monday for another edition of the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.